0: Well, yeah, this has been a one kind of unprecedented week in terms of both the spread of COVID-19 and the crash in oil prices and overall market volatility. So how are you doing? It's been a bit rough, you know, if we're honest with each other, maybe emotionally exhausting for some. I think back to the wildfire and that was devastating time that also happened in the middle of an oil downturn. We've been through rough before, at least a lot of us here have been. But yeah, this week, I'm not sure how to describe it except that it's weird and unprecedented and that's about to continue. And it's scary to think I actually have friends who seriously are not stockpiling food or toilet paper, but ammunition. True story. Someone else questioned this friend of mine on Facebook about doing that and uh, my friend replied, ammunition is a commodity. In other words, I'm sure I can trade my ammunition for other stuff if needed. I know what some of you are thinking, I need to get some better friends, but if it's any consolation, he does not live in Alberta, okay? But he's probably not alone prepping for the zombie apocalypse or the COVID-19 apocalypse, whatever it is. Now, in my home, we have uh, two borders, and I have not been panicking or stockpiling stuff, and uh, it appears that I might be making an I might be being an irresponsible landlord as one of my boarders got uh, this box of 80 rolls of toilet paper through Amazon and has enough coffee to last for another year among other things however my next door neighbor said to me that he's got a freezer full of meat and he might be willing to trade toilet paper for meat so yeah toilet paper really has become a you know a valuable commodity Uh, my brother and my eldest daughter are both ER doctors uh, um, and, oh, and I, I posted this on Facebook, and I have a cousin in San Diego. He's a bit of a distant cousin, but he's also an ER doctor, and he kind of wanted me to mention that he's part of the family, too, and he's an ER doctor, so Rick, I did it. And um, uh, But my brother in Montreal and my daughter in Hamilton, uh, she's a pediatric emergency room doctor. They both make calm, cooled, measured decisions and approach things with, with just, you know solidness, they obey the rules, they put on the right equipment. They're both restricting their travel including travel within Canada as a safety precaution to themselves and others and uh, that's my brother who's in the picture you saw there. And my daughter Megan, she's kinda semi-self-isolating herself and has cancelled a trip to connect with Jane in a couple of weeks. Megan is on the front lines in the COVID-19 battle and says you just never know as an ER doctor if you have become a carrier and that an ER ERN doctor is uh, just incredibly at risk, and she just doesn't want to carry it to her mother, so that's nice of her. But much of how we respond to all of this uh, has a lot to do with how we're wired. Some of the staff here have taken what's called an Enneagram personality test. It it helps you to figure out what of some nine personalities you might be, and it can actually help predict how you might respond to stuff like these kind of crises we're in. And here's a meme based on the Enneagram on how you might respond to COVID-19 crisis. Take a look and see which one there suits you. Now, I haven't taken an Enneagram test, but the one on the list that appeals to be most is number seven plans, vacations, and if I had kids, I'd sure hope that uh, school was canceled and I'd be willing to go on that cheap cruise. The only problem is Jane wouldn't go with me. And uh, truth be told, if I took the Enneagram test, I, I don't think I would come out at number seven. But yeah, a week ago, I was looking to see if there were any cruise deals. Thought this is a time, you know, for that sun cruise, or even better, I'd like to do an Alaska cruise sometime, but No. And then there's been a number of you who keep sending me pics of empty shelves at the stores around our city. It's it's clear that the dominant reaction right now is fear, right? So late Friday afternoon, as fear was continuing to mount and I was putting the finishing touches on my very amazing Sunday message from the book of Acts, well, I scrapped that message and started over. I think a lot of pastors in Canada will be doing the same thing. I think there'll be a lot of awesome messages preached across the country today. Maybe not mine, but a lot. This week, I've been thinking a lot about what I call my life verse. There is one verse in the Bible that I have chosen to be the key verse that defines my life. It's from King Solomon, who was given the gift of wisdom and under the inspiration of God recorded his wisdom in the biblical book called Proverbs. My life verse goes like this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. It's been a crazy week. Things could get crazier, and it's this verse that comes flying into my mind that no matter how crazy this world gets, God can be trusted, but I have to make the decision to trust. I have to make the decision to submit my life to God and his care in the midst of the chaos. And it's only when I choose to trust God and submit to him that God turns up, like powerfully turns up and makes my path straight. Friends, that's a promise to all of us from our God, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lead not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him, and He will make your path straight. A promise of our God to us. And then there are these words that God gave uh, to Joshua when he was leading the nation of Israel through the chaos of a very dangerous life and death wilderness situation where so many nations wanted to pummel and destroy the people of Israel. God said this to Joshua Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And friends, that is still true today. Our God is with us wherever we go. I saw this meme from the Babylon Bee. Latest numbers on coronavirus. 100% of the world is still under God's control. So be strong and courageous. Our God is still on the throne. And I say all of this to lead us uh, into a story that the Apostle Matthew tells us of when the disciples got gripped by fear and there was some legitimacy to their fear, but God wanted to teach them to trust and not fear. So let me read to you what Matthew wrote. It's from Matthew chapter 14. You can read on the screen or your Bible or follow on your favorite Bible app. Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. He'd been preaching and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. And Just keep those waves and, uh, you know, in your mind as the story continues. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. And look at how Peter responds. I mean, this is awesome. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came forward towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind... He was afraid and beginning to sink cried out, Lord, save me, I'm gonna drown. I'm gonna die. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him, You have little faith, he said, Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died out, then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Man, I love this story for so many different reasons. The panic is so raw, so deep, so real. But then the Apostle Peter, uh, it it seems a bit crazy, but he takes this leap of faith, and then he regrets it. uh, But then the story has a powerful ending, and God is worshipped, and yeah, I love it. So from this story, I just want to grab several ideas or principles that I think can help us with the fears we're gripped with. You know, the the COVID-19 thing, and the meltdown of oil prices, and whatever else grips you with fear. So here goes... You know, the first thing I see, the first thing we actually need to do is we need to learn to admit our fears. I mean, that's just basic stuff, right? And by the way, that is fear with an S, okay? There are multiple fears coming at us at once. And in Fort McMurray, we got COVID-19 and plummeting oil prices at the same time. So fear with an S. Okay, I'll admit it. Sometimes I'm a stereotypical guy to a fault and I don't naturally admit to fear like ever. When crisis comes, when fearful things hit me, I tend to go calm, rational. I get even a little more strong-willed. I act like I have no fear. You might react differently than me. Some of you are more honest about your fears, not me. During the wildfire, our, our daughter Susan and her son-in-law Chris, they were living with us at the time together with their black lab. The black lab's name was Freya. Freya means goddess of love of war. And it's a perfect description of this beautiful lab. She loved fiercely, but she was a warrior, stubborn, strong-willed, tough. But when it came to the fire, she was afraid. Didn't want anyone to see her fear. So she hid herself in Susan's and Chris's room downstairs, buried herself under the covers right over her, so you couldn't see her, so you couldn't see her fear. The dogs living next door to us, there were two of them. They were jumping up on the windows, spread eagle, eyes wide open with fear, barking as loud as they could, get us out of here, get us out of here. Different dogs, different reactions to fear, kind of like you and me. But however we're wired, can we all just admit, like can I just admit that we're struggling just a little bit with fear? So you just name it, admit it. Really, you won't get through this time if you don't admit it. That's where you start. You admit your fear. You're honest about it. And then once you do that, you're able to do the next thing, which is you step into your fear. This is like a classic step, okay? You you face your fear head on, and you step right into it. And, okay, I get it. This does not come naturally to us. This is where we need the God who is always with us to empower us to step into fear. A hey, spiritual growth always involves stepping into your fear. Think about it. Maybe I'm a little too optimistic here, but this whole COVID-19 and oil price cash could be one opportunity for you to grow spiritually, to grow in your trust and faith in Jesus, but you got to choose to step into your fear. So the apostle Peter, he is fearful with the rest of the disciples. I mean, remember, there are waves out there and there's this ghost-like thing on the water and we cry, it's COVID-19 and they cry, it's a ghost, but kind of the same thing, right? Right? except Peter does something exceptional he steps into his fear he takes a step of faith he is willing to step into the impossible and see God work supernaturally peter goes if if that's really you jesus let me come out and walk on the water with you and that's a pretty bold request and jesus says come and peter gets out of the water and starts to walk on the water towards jesus i mean that's a big step a big step into his fear, a step of faith, it's not normal, people don't do that, Peter's doing that, right? But, he's got his eyes focused on Jesus, and he's boldly doing what no man had really done before, and this is especially bold because he doesn't know how to swim. But maybe this is not so crazy, why? Well, who is he responding to? He's responding to Jesus, And what did Jesus say? He said, come. And Peter came. Kudos to Peter. He took a risk. He stepped into fear because Jesus was with him. So too with you and me. We have to remember that no matter what, the Lord our God will be with us wherever we go. He's right here. Even in the middle of a COVID-19 pandemic, even in the middle of the wildest stock market, oil price week in recent memory. You know... Courage is not the absence of fear. Rather, courage is doing the right thing even when you're afraid. Courage is rejecting comfort and doing the very thing that you fear. When you do not step into your fear, you add fuel to your fear. If you don't face your fear, you fuel your fear. Your fear just gets bigger and all of a sudden the mountain seems so much harder to climb because you just haven't done anything with that fear. Have you ever had fear and began to think about it and you create these worst-case scenarios that could happen? I'm going to stockpile up on ammo, make sure that my gun is oil, I'm going to have to hunt for food and defend my home against toilet paper thieves, but seriously, there is a technical term for all that, catastrophizing. You create these catastrophes that uh, never actually happen, and friends, there's a lot of that going on right now. Did you know that between the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, and the last book of the Bible, depending on your translation, it says at least 366 times, fear not. Think about it. For every day of the week, including leap year, one fear not. Fear not. 360 of them spread out throughout the Bible. God wants us to get this. God does not want his people to live in fear. There is no command given more often in the Bible than fear not. To follow Jesus and to be filled with the Spirit means we become a people who do not fear. We become a people who step into our fears, work through them, or at least not be debilitated by them. I think if you're willing to listen to the Spirit, God's going to whisper to many of you to get out of the boat during this COVID-19 crisis. He's going to call you to make a difference during this time of unprecedented world crisis. He's got a role for you to play on His behalf. Are you listening to the spirit even now? Here's a sad thing that fear is doing in our city. Fear is causing people to hoard food. As I was writing parts of this message, the lineup of vehicles going in and out of Thickwood Sobeys was creating a major traffic issue in front of Fort City. It was a mess. We're hoarding. And the most vulnerable people in our city are suffering because of our fear. Fear has created a shortage of food at the Wood Buffalo Food Bank. Friends, that's got to stop. We, we need to step into our fear. We, we need to be giving food that funds the Wood Buffalo Food Bank. You can do that. That's, that's one thing right now that, that you could be doing. Hey, some people think that Peter was a failure in this story. Not me. I think he's a success. I mean, think about it. Uh, what about the guys who never got out of the boat, right? I mean, I don't mean to be harsh, but yeah, maybe they're the ones who are the failures. I mean, at least Peter got out of the boat. He took a risk and stepped into his fear. And hey, I really don't know what this is going to mean for you right now. I'm just going to say, listen to the Spirit. Let God lead you to step into your fear and step out of the boat. Let him do something amazing as you let him work through you. I mean, this crisis could be your greatest hour to serve God to his glory, right? But then, I got a level with you. There's a twist in the story. There's a third idea in this story that's a little tough to take. Number three, you've got to expect fear to return. I would love to have just left that out, right? Step into your fear, go for the, you know, get out of the boat, head your, head, your face fear head on, plow through it, right? But the reality is fear often returns because we're human. You too, right? For Peter, it returned like real quick. He was fearful when Jesus had come, but he stepped into that fear, got out of the boat, and then he's actually miraculously walking on water. This is so awesome. But then Peter started looking at the wind and the waves and was gripped again by fear. What in the world am I doing? And he began to sink. The fear returned. When does the fear return? It returns when you take your eyes off Jesus. It returns when you look at what's going on around you. Empty grocery shelves instead of looking right at Jesus. You know, this is where some preachers label Peter a failure. but I just think it's awesome that he got out of the boat. Come on, we all fail from time to time. But not all of us get out of the boat. And I kind of think getting out of the boat and failing is maybe a little better than not getting out of the boat at all. Especially when you do what Peter did next. And what did You know, what do you do when you fail? This is kind of central to the Christian message. This is good news. This is huge. What do you do when you fail? Well, the fourth thing, you just embrace the presence of God. When we fail, we want to run? No, no. Embrace the presence of God. If you begin to sink like Peter, here's the good news of the gospel. When you sink, when you fail, God doesn't. When the fear comes back, God is still right there with you. Do you see that? This is huge. Jesus shows us. Matthew tells us. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have a little faith, he said. Come on, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. I want you to see that word immediately. When you fail, you can immediately put your hand into Jesus' hand. When you fail, Jesus is there with his hand outstretched to you. When you fail, you can immediately embrace the presence of God. When you fail, God doesn't. That's our God. And our God is always for you. And he is with you 24-7 even when you fail. You put your eyes back on Jesus. You put your hand in his hand and he will empower you to overcome the fear, to step right back into it and he will land you safely on the other side of your fear. And then look at how this story wraps up. Look at the last principle of working through our fear. Number five, when God delivers, when he brings us to the other side of fear, we respond with worship. That's what Peter and all the disciples did after Peter got back into the boat, safe and sound, and the wind and the waves calmed down. Those who were in the boat worshiped Jesus, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. You know, there's power in worship. You could even sense it this morning as we worship through song. Faith is built up in worship. When we celebrate the acts of our God on our behalf, his unlimited power, the fact that he never leaves us or forsakes us, there is power in that. Worship pushes away fear. Worship helps faith to grow. This is kind of one of the reasons why I don't want to rush to close down services if Alberta Health Services allows us to continue. There is power that casts out fear when we worship together. The other disciples might not have had the courage to get out of the boat like Peter, but when they saw what happened, they were changed, and their faith and their courage grew as well, and they worshiped, and that worship cast out fear. You know, this little incident of Peter pushing through fear, it was a a defining moment for all of the disciples. And you know, these guys later changed the world for the better by bringing the good news of Jesus to the world. And they became fearless. Most of them died brutal deaths, but they faced even brutal death martyrdom with courage. And God was glorified, and the church continued to grow and grow. Let's be a people who fear not. Let's be a people who get out of the boat. But let's be a people who, when we get out of the boat, keep our eyes on Jesus. We do not lean on our own understanding. We let him do supernaturally what we could never do on our own. That's what it means to follow Jesus. And with that, let's talk a little bit about how we at Fort City want to be the arms and legs of Jesus in the midst of this COVID-19 crisis. But let me back up first with a little bit of church history. The church grew in its early years because of its apostolic leaders. They were a no-fear people full of the Holy Spirit, and God used them powerfully. But it wasn't just the apostles who were no-fear people. Rodney Stark is a sociologist and professor at Baylor University. He points to how fearless the average Christian was during the days of the early church in some of the darkest times in the middle of some very horrific pandemics. I mean... Today is not the church's first go at a pandemic. One of his books is called The Rise of Christianity, How the Obscure Marginal Jesus Movement Became the Dominant Religious Force in the Western World. Stark talks about two plagues that swept through the Roman Empire, one in 165 and one in 251 AD. And depending on where you lived in the Roman Empire, uh, the death rates in these plagues ranged from 7% to over 50%. I mean, COVID-19 is nothing compared to this, and it just devastated the Roman world. In the middle of these two plagues, many ordinary, everyday Christians heard God's call to love more and to fear less. They heard God call them to step into their fear as they loved their neighbors as themselves. And at huge risk to their own lives, they went out and cared for and prayed for the sick and dying. Now, don't get too uptight where I'm going with this, okay? Just, Just hang in there and listen. During these two major plagues, many Christians chose to love first and to care for themselves second, casting fear aside. It was incredibly powerful. It was history-changing as some were miraculously healed. Others died with dignity with a Christian there doing whatever they could. Some Christians, as they served, they got sick and some died. And even so, they continued to serve victims of these plagues. But a very surprising thing happened. Christians died far less frequently than the population as a whole. It was noticeable, it was remarkable, and it's actually recorded in history. Was it because they built up more immunity in the plagues? Was it because God gave them health and healing? I would guess it's a little bit of both. In the middle of two devastating plagues, ordinary everyday followers of Jesus like you and me heard the whisper of the Spirit, the call of Jesus to serve the sick, to love first. And because of their willingness to love and risk their lives, the church exploded from about 1,000 people in the year 40 AD to over 5 million people in the Roman world at the end of the second plague. And the apostles, after they passed away, Rodney Stark insists that it was the sacrificial love of ordinary, everyday Christians that was the prime driver of growth of the church. They'll know we are Christians by our love. You know, the church today would not exist all around the world with the strength it has today if those early Christians had not chosen to step into their fear, trust Jesus, and love first. They built the foundation on which we exist today. Okay, today's a really different world. We we can actually serve in the middle of a pandemic without necessarily compromising our health. There are things we can do to be the church, to show the love of Jesus. We don't have to expose ourselves to the virus. We can protect ourselves in a way they couldn't. Martin Luther, who was the Protestant Reformation guy, who started the Protestant wing of the church, he faced what's called the second wave of the Black Death. It came through in three waves. um, And by the end of the third wave, anywhere from 30 to 60% of the population of Europe had been decimated. So again, this is not our first go around with a pandemic. So in the middle of that second wave of the Black Plague, here's what Martin Luther wrote. It's found in something called the Pastoral Writings of Martin Luther. I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. Then I shall fumigate, to help purify the air, administer medicine, and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order not to become contaminated and thus perchance inflict and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. If God should wish to take me, he will surely find me and I will have done what is expected of me and so I am not responsible for either my own death or the death of others. If my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid place or person but will go freely as stated above. See, this is such a God-fearing faith because it is neither brash nor foolhardy and does not tempt God. These words seem pretty wise to me. Here's what we want to do at Fort City. We want to serve our city and love our city with the best resources we have. And our best resources, they're you and me. We want to extend our church family. We want to let our whole extended church family know and really let all of our city know that we're here to serve you, help you in any way. And the only way we can do that is if you let us know. So message us on Facebook, on Instagram, or email. Connect at fortcitychurch.ca. And here's what we'll do we'll find a family or an individual who will pair up with the person in need or the family in need. Uh, You know, this could be an individual or a family in isolation. This could be a senior or someone who's disabled. This could be someone with any sort of health issue who just can't out or couldn't get out right now with schools closed. It might be someone who can help parents who have to work while their kids are home. We can help by doing some shopping, grocery shopping, or whatever in these hectic days. Maybe even prepare meals if there's a need. I mean, the list is really endless. We want to connect healthy people with people who have needs because you and I, we can be the church to people in need in our city. We can love first. And hey, in your home, in your families, maybe brainstorm and pray about how God might use you in the midst of this crisis. And if you're willing to be one of these people, one of those families who can help, would you let us know? If you're watching online, even if you're here physically, you can message us on Facebook or on Twitter or actually Instagram. You can email us, connect at fortcitychurch.ca. If you're physically here in the service, you can fill in a connection card and give it in at the Connection Gest and just say, I'll oh, help. And if you're self-isolating or if you end up doing so in the future, let us know. Please let us know. Two things we'll do. We'll get our prayer team praying for you, and if you want, we can get someone from our prayer team to phone you and pray with you over the phone. We can bring prayer right to you that way. All you have to do is ask, so please, please ask. Again. We we can connect you with people who will shop with you, find toilet paper for you, do errands, even prepare meals. Uh, I I saw a senior post that something was closed down so that she couldn't get her taxes done. Maybe we could find someone to help someone like that, right? Whatever. Let's be a family and let's serve one another and let's serve our city. Hey, we're Fort City. This is our city. We're we're people who love first, right? Right? And we love the people of our city. Let, let's just come together and be the church. We can do this, right? We, we can make a huge difference. Will you be part of making a difference? You know, we loved well during the wildfire, and that's just who we are. You, you just We just need to stop focusing on ourselves and our own family and say no to all of the hysteria that's out there. You just need to step into the fear with your eyes on Jesus and let Jesus use you to be his arms and legs to this city. when you say yes and just sign up to be someone who helps in this crisis? You know, we're just asking you to sign up today. We, we, we want to be prepared for the future. I think we're preppers in a good way, okay? More than any other command in the Bible, there's the command to fear not. We just need to be a no-fear people. And we just need to push against the darkness that is growing in our city. We need to be God's people. When the early church did it, history changed. I believe that when we do it, we can change the history of this city. A.W. Tozer, he's one of the best-known preachers in the history of our church family, the Christian Missionary Alliance. He said this, a scared world needs a fearless church. I'll say it again. A scared world needs a fearless church. So you in? No fear? Or at least you're pushing through your fear? Let's love first, right? Right? I know you can do this, so let's spend a moment in prayer. Jesus, in these weeks leading up to Easter, we are reminded that you stepped into your fear and your humanness and pushed through it in the power of the Spirit and gave your life up for us on the cross. Our prayer is very simple this morning. Would you fill us once again with your Spirit? Would you, as you fill us, drive out fear? Would you give us peace that passes all understanding? And in the days that are coming where it looks like things will get worse before they get better, will you empower us to be a fearless church? Now maybe would you pray this part of the prayer with me? Just make this your own prayer. Father God, just connect with them. Help me to keep my eyes on you and not the tumultuous circumstances around me. You know, however threatening they may be. Father God, today, I make a commitment to trust you with all of my heart and to not lean on my own understanding. I will look to you to not only make my path straight, but that you would use me to love others as I help them to make their path straight. Just, just make that commitment to him right now. And let me continue to pray, God, we pray for health and protection in our church family, in our city, in our nation. Give our political and health services leaders incredible wisdom. And through this sin wreck mess, we're in the middle of, may hundreds in our city, thousands in our country, millions the world over, be touched by the love of Jesus and embrace you as their loving Lord and Savior. Do through what you did in the early church, what you did through Luther and the Protestant Reformation. May the church arise, may we arise and bring peace, hope and healing to a shattered world. God, we pray all this. In the name of Jesus, knowing that he's already purchased our healing and wholeness on the cross.